So I want to preface this message with uh, a commendation to this church, 903. Um, you guys are probably the strongest church community that we've been involved with, uh, and your hearts for, for this community are just outstanding. So I don't want anybody to feel like I'm pointing fingers when I go through this message, because I may feel that way, but I'm not. Um, and the verses that I'm going to lay out here are not suggestions. They're literally commands. Uh, you'll see that they're not prefaced with we should or you might want to. They are simply do these things. Um, and it's hard in this day and age to really um, hold on to that, to really take that in and, and live by it. But that's what we're supposed to do. So uh, I'll just start here. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot, I don't, can y'all see that? There's a lot of verses. They're pretty short, mostly, but they're all leading to one point, so bear with me on that, too, if you don't mind. So the, I'm using my phone, not my Bible, because I can't see anymore as I get older. So, 1 Corinthians 12. 12 through 14. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. For by one Spirit we will all be baptized into the body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. And I think this is, this is kind of, this is really important today. Uh, not so much in, in this particular body, but in the church body as a whole. I think we get caught up in uh, things that the world would say people groups are separated by, by race, by uh, gender, age, social status, and things like that. And we tend to buy into that a lot of the time. I feel like we, we look at people and we say, well, they're kind of not my people. Um, even by, in the church separates us by, by denominations. And that's devastating to the church. And you can read that all through the epistles. Paul, I feel like, is just taking a sledgehammer and breaking down the walls of denominations and just personal theologies. Um, and the fact is, the truth is, is that we are not separate at all by race, by gender, by age, or any of those things, denominations especially. But... Uh, we do have differences, but we really have to, I guess, elevate ourselves beyond those social standards, those worldly standards that we're divided by. Um, and there's, <laughs> well, we were out one Saturday, we were doing our outreach, and uh, we went to Brahms on Broadway, as usual. And this is an example of that. Uh, we were, the kids went up to a lady uh, and offered to pay for her groceries. And her response was, oh no, I'm a good Baptist. Well, there's a couple of things wrong with that. First of all, you define yourself as a Baptist, not as a Christian, not as a believer, not as a follower of the way or how, whatever the Bible may want to call it. You didn't define yourself as that. You define yourself as a Baptist. Why? Because we're all one church. And the other problem was is that she called herself good right? What does Jesus say about that? When they said, what, you know, good teacher, they called him good teacher. He said, why do you call me good? Even Jesus said he wasn't good. 
Only the Father in heaven is good. So we have to be careful not to let our pride in our faith define us to the world because all that does is push people away. And on top of that, I mean, and, and I don't know the woman. I don't. Um, I would like to maybe get, her know, get to know her better, but she declined prayer for the purpose of getting to a cookout. Who does that? You know, well, if you don't need our, if you don't need our help, let us at least pray for you. You know, I don't have time for that. I got to go. So let's not fall into that category either. Let's accept prayer when people want to pray for us. Always, because there's nothing more powerful, nothing more moving than prayer. <clears throat> and uh, so the next, let's see, Philippians 2, 4, 1, two, 3. So this is really about um, the equality of the Bible, of the body in and of itself. And I'm reading from New King James, so I know that Russell usually does NIV. This is a little bit different, but therefore, if therefore if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill joy by making like-minded, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Uh, that's pretty huge to be of one accord and one mind and one spirit. And that's the way the church is supposed to interact. Uh, and that what that means is, and, and it goes on to talk, it goes on for, for a little bit more too. And it says, uh, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. And when, when I read that and I think of me personally, oftentimes I let my own interests dictate my actions for every day instead of looking at the interests of others before my own. Sometimes it's more important than me. Um, and, and we have to remember that I'm not more important than you. We're equally as important. Every member of this body is important. My bills are not more important than your bills. My stress is not more important than your sorrow. I mean, I may be stressed out from work. It's overwhelming sometimes, but if I see a need, if I see someone in my congregation that is hurting, someone who is in need of compassion and companionship, I should put aside my feelings and realize that your sorrow is more important than me right now. My desires, are not more important than your needs. A lot of times we do that. I know I've been guilty of it. If I see a need, you know, financial or otherwise, or, or even time, what time is huge. Time is a big one. We don't want to, we tend to not want to give up our time. You know, uh, we'll, throw, we'll throw some money at somebody all day long, but we don't want to give up our time to really be there for them and help them. And I think, and again, this church is, 903 is, is really, <laughs> really getting this already. I'm just, I'm just kind of, you know, uh, expanding on it a little bit, but we have to be more uh, aware, I think, of what's happening in our congregations and in the church as a whole, but if our congregation can come together like that, imagine what everybody looking is going to do. I mean, how, how is that going to affect other churches when they say, wow, man, those guys are really taking care of each other in all kinds of different ways. Um, and uh, so we have to remember that each and every part of this body 
is completely equal. So in, in the, an example of that would be like for, if I'm out in the workshop and I'm, you know, you know, using my chisel, cutting something and it's kind of rusty and I slice my finger open, but I'm hungry and I go eat before I care for that finger, bacteria is going to set in and it's going to fester. And then if, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't cause a serious infection, at least it's going to be incredibly painful. So which is more important, the fact that I'm a little bit hungry or the fact that my thumb is, you know, at risk of falling off, I mean, for, you know, for lack of a better term, but so we have to be aware of the importance of the situation that we're in and the importance of the body, the members of the body that are in need, or if we're in need, the vice versa. Like we should be able to go to each other and say, you know, I'm struggling. And the, those people should be able to say, well, that's more important right now than, than what I'm doing. And that leads to sharing, I mean, serving each other. You know, Romans, I don't need to read all these scriptures, I don't guess, but Romans 12 talks about uh, serving each other. And it says that, you know, we should be happy with one another, weep with one another, but also be joyful with one another. And that's, that's something that, that is so impactful, I feel like, as, uh, as people, not just as a church, but as people. I mean, if you are super happy about something, what do you want to do? You want to share it, right? That's what we do. We go, hey, man, check this out. This just happened to me. This is what God has done for me this week. And we should be receptive to that. We need to be receptive to that. We need to say we need to rejoice with each other. And the same goes for when we're sad, when we're hurting, when we're broken. Our brokenness is a burden that our congregation, our church, our, our friends, our family need to help us bear because we can't do it alone. And I'm seeing that that's not happening a lot these days in, in most congregations. Most people are very... And, and they can't help it. It's, it's just the way that we've been brought up in this world. We have to be intentional to break that cycle. And we have to be intentional about putting ourselves into situations where we can help each other always instead of just thinking about, well, I got, I've got this thing to do. I've got schedules to keep. And I've got, man, if, you, if, you got, if you're not willing to break, it's like Melanie said earlier, we should just, oh, when we make a schedule, if we have plans, we need, to, we need to preface that with, these are our plans. But if God comes up with something else, we'll just toss those to the wind whether it's going out of town, whether it's just going, hanging out with the kids at the park or whatever. A lot of times our plans are not his plans and he will put people in your path that need you. And we have to be mindful of that and intentional to go that direction instead of our own. Uh, and then this one is uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 12 through 14. I'll read this one. <clears throat> because it's pretty, pretty powerful. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance, signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Wait a minute. Oh, that's the wrong one. Hang on just a second. <laughs> Same thing though, mighty deeds. My fingers are getting in the way. For there is first a willing mind it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you, and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack and their abundance may also supply your lack. 
that there may be equality. When I talk about abundance here, I'm not just talking about money, obviously. That's not, we all are blessed with abundances. A lot of us with time that we can share with others. So many people are burdened with no time and they can't get things done and they just need some help. They just need a hand and we should be willing to offer our time to that. Um, we need, we, we should be. I'm, pre, I'm, I'm saying this like it's an option, but it's not an option. It's a command. It's right here. Um, and there's so many different ways that we can look at our abundance. Like we may have an abundance of joy while someone is just broken and we need to share that with them. We have to. Uh, because if there is an unbalance in our body, then what, I mean, we get sick, right? So the body of Christ is going to get sick and it's going to fail if we don't continue to, to maintain that balance and that structure. <clears throat> and then again, I'm sure all of y'all are familiar with Acts 2 and Acts 4 about how the church in that day when they came together, they sold all of their belongings and they laid them at the feet of the apostles and the apostles distributed all as it was needed. But that's one body and that's, that's one, uh, one, one unit, unit, I guess unity and unit that functions healthily. And on top of that, we have to look at, uh, you know, 2, 44 through 47 and Acts 2, 44 through 47, and they're talking about, and that talks about not just that, but it also talks about how they acted as a community and how they went to each other's houses daily and they broke bread. And that's communion. Communion is not a cup of wine and a piece of bread. Communion is gathering together, sharing a meal together in fellowship with Christ as the head and us as, as his following body. And they did that daily and they rejoiced in one another and they worshiped together. Not just on Sunday, they gathered together daily and they worshiped together. And that's huge. And we're just, we're missing that. I feel like in the church today, we're just missing that connection, that connection in him. But that's just, I mean, and again, I'm not pointing fingers because it's just the way that we've been programmed. Work first, then family, then everybody else. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's God first and then everything else. Um, and family, God and then family. And family is us. We are family. We're a church. We're the, we are the body of Christ. Um, and we, are, we have to love each other more than we love ourselves. We just have to. Otherwise, nothing's getting done. And that, that all of this, all of these examples and all of these things are leading up to uh, the last verse I want to talk about um, in just a minute, but you know, we have, we, we have a tendency to look at other people and we say, well, it's their fault they don't have money. It's their fault they don't have this. They, they should have done this. They should have done this. You know, so, so they chose not to go to college and get a degree. Maybe they regret that. Maybe that's something they wanted to do, but the fact that they're living in poverty is not always their decision. It's not always their choice. Sometimes it just happens. And sometimes it's because of the choices that we've made. But I'm thankful that Jesus does not hold us responsible for the choices we've made in the past. He takes us where we're at and he builds us up from there. And that's what we're supposed to be doing with each other.
And we actually have a friend named Bob who is, uh, sometimes he's hard to deal with, (laughs) but he's an amazing guy. He has this heart for this type of community. The guy went went to prison for, what was he, was he in for 12 years? He was in prison for 12 years for something he didn't do. And, when, and he didn't fight it. He just said, this is just where I'm at. And when he came out, his heart, and this is, this is how God works. God gave him a heart for prison ministry, coming out of prison in prison ministry because he spent time there. So these guys are coming out of jail. They've got nowhere to go. I don't know if you guys are familiar much with, with ex-cons and, you know, releases from prison and things, but 99% of the time those guys have nowhere to go, which is why they repeat offend because the only place they have to go is back to the guys that they were hanging out with before. And when that happens, they just fall right back into what they were doing. So Bob has kind of made it a point to be there for these guys, and he's opened his home to... Uh, anybody who's, he, he meets these guys in prison, they come and they get out, he lets them come stay in his home and he ministers to them lovingly and caringly until, I mean, and they receive Jesus. I mean, they do, they receive the Lord. I mean, I don't know when that hasn't through his, through his grace and his love. And he's always having people to his house, people who don't even like him. I mean, like I said, he's, he's hard sometimes. But the church that he goes to, people kind of overlook him. I mean, he is just waist deep in ministry in his church. And people just, oh, it's Bob. Oh, it's Bob. No big deal. It's just Bob. But it's not just Bob. This guy is living Jesus here. And I mean, I'm just very, I'm just thankful to God that he has put us into connection with this guy because he's taught us so much about serving. Um, and, and, and even this, this has always been in my heart, but he's really made, made these scriptures abundantly clear to me in his self-sacrifice and his love for other people in, a, in and outside of the church. But to bring people into your house that don't even like you, to serve them a hot meal. And it's, when, when he serves a meal, it's not just like you know, burger and fries. He goes all out. I mean, it looks like a five-star restaurant plate. It's beautiful the way he sets everything up. He spends all that time doing these things for other people because he loves them, even though they don't love him. And all of these verses that, that I've talked about here really lead to one idea, and that idea is unity in the body of Christ, is unity in the church. And if we could just come into unity throughout the church, regardless of, eh, my theology is different than yours, so what? The truth is the truth. And, and if your theology is a little different, as long as your theology doesn't promote sin, then who cares what your, what your theology is versus mine? The truth is, is that Jesus came to give us freedom and we are supposed to give the world freedom through him, and we're not doing it. We wonder why the apostles existed in those days, but there's no apostles today. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Why don't we see, why don't we see people being healed when Jason walks by? I mean, seriously, like by his shadow, or, or me, or her, or whatever. Why is that not happening? 
Peter didn't have to reach in. He didn't have to look at anybody. He'd walk by, and if his shadow touched them, they were healed. That's the power of God flowing through him. And we don't have it because we don't have unity. Because if you look at Acts 2, and this is, I did not mean to do this sermon on Pentecost, with the day being Pentecost, it just happened that way. But if you look at two, Acts 2, 1 through 4, and I'll read that one too. I'm sure y'all are all familiar with that one too. But When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there became all with one accord in one place. Well, what does that mean? I mean we're, we're all in one place. But our hearts are not of one accord right now. They're just not. I mean, I know that some of you some of, and me, some of us are thinking about later today or the cookout tomorrow or the cookout this afternoon or whatever. But our hearts and our minds need to be fully focused on God. <clears throat> That's what it means to be in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues the Spirit gave them utterance. So the reason why the Holy Spirit was poured out at that moment was because the disciples, the church, before it was the church, but the disciples, there were about 120 of them at that time, were praying together and they were focused entirely on the kingdom of heaven and what God was promising to offer them. They wanted that promise to be fulfilled. And because they concentrated on that, because they put everything else aside, they weren't looking around the room, wondering who was there, who didn't make it today, who made it today. They weren't thinking about where they're going to eat for lunch. They weren't scrolling through Facebook. They weren't, you know, checking their text messages during this prayer. And I've been guilty of that too. I'm not, again, I'm not pointing fingers, but they were 100% focused and just absorbed into their desire to reap the promises of God. And this is what happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out from heaven and they were filled with the power of God to the point where His will was working through them without them having to do anything. Like Peter walking by and healing people with his shadow. It's insane to think of that type of power flowing through us. And it's available. I, I believe that it's available. But we have to be unified to, to achieve it, to receive it. So hopefully one day, I'll be on that page. Hopefully one day I'll get there where the only thing on my mind is to inherit the promises of God. But I'm not there yet, but I need y'all to help me get there. All of you. And I hope that y'all need me with what I can offer. I mean, there's things I can't offer, but there's plenty that I can. And I hope y'all don't hold back. I hope y'all ask me because it's hard to receive, man. It's easy to give. It's a lot easier to give because we've been on both sides. We've had wealth and we gave and we've been in poverty. We've been homeless and we had nothing to give. But we have to have a heart of humility that is ready to receive as well as to give. And that's just how it goes. That's the balance. 
That's how we work together as a church. And I pray that one day, sooner than later, that that's what we receive. But, but that's what Pentecost is about. It's about receiving the Holy Spirit and his power and working that power through us as God sees fit. And that's all I got. I hope that was 20 minutes. I don't know if it was or not. <laughs> I'm not long-winded, sorry. Uh, anyway, so I'd like to pray and uh, close us out today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much for this church community. I thank you for putting us into the path of people who love you and who want to do your work here on this earth with the focus of and the dream of building your kingdom in heaven. God, help us to be more open to give of our time, of ourselves, of our finances, whatever it might be, Lord, to each other and to those around us. Because when we, when we live like this, God, when we live in love and we live in harmony and unity, the world around us will see it and they will want to be a part of it. And we ask you to help your kingdom grow through us every day. In your name we pray, amen.